Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. All right, so before we get started, can you please share with us your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Yes, I'm Laura Knott-Regal, and we're located, the clinic is in Cartersville, Georgia, which is northwest of the city, um, northwest of Atlanta, and we're North Paulding Speech-Language Therapy. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you tonight. Um, I went on your website earlier. Can you tell people what the name of your website is? It's NorthPaulingSLP.com. Fantastic. If people want to go um, check Laura's site out and learn more about her private practice, I fell in love just with the look of your of the website and with the look of the building. It looks like a beautiful industrial space with um, exposed brick, and I just thought it. I liked the look of it. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's a very old building. Cartersville um, was involved, of course, in the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of done some tours of some buildings at downtown that have little um, cannonball um, holes. Wow. <laughs> very wow. small little holes. So, you know, it's probably 120 years old. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd love to hear how you kind of... Um, you know, what you're doing in that space and everything else with that. But mm -hmm. how about if we go back to the beginning? Talk, can you tell us a little bit about your early career as a speech pathologist and what you were doing maybe prior to thinking about private practice? Right. I graduated from Michigan State University and went directly into the school district. So I was working, you know, in Michigan, then I moved to Chicago Public Schools, um, moved to Florida, and that's where I married my husband and had my children. So I had always been in the schools prior to starting my practice. So that was about 20 years uh, of being in the schools, and then I was ready for a change. Nice. So when you say that you were ready for a change, 
what kind of brought that change on or that desire for a change? Well, I did really love being in the schools. Um, I was starting to feel some stress of the whole RTI um, movement and, you know, of course, a lot of IEPs after school taking, you know, my late afternoon personal time. I was kind of used to doing that because I've been in the schools for so many years. Um, but at that point, my children were school-aged and there was kind of some shake up in the school district where I was in. So I'd have to be relocated to a, a school that was farther from my home. So that was kind of the impetus for me just to try something new. So I just did it. I took the leap. I love it. And so did you, did you like quit your job and go straight into private practice, get a like legitimately take the leap? I did. It was just like that. I was done with school at the end of May and took the summer to get to start to get everything ready, all the LLC and getting a network with insurance companies. And I was very busy that summer and started right up in August. Fantastic. And either in what year was this or how many years ago? Oh my, my company is now six and a half years old. So come August 1st, I guess it will be seven complete years. Oh my goodness. Well, congratulations. Well, I always love to hear, um, you know, kind of how people transition into private practice, right? Do people kind of start slowing on the side or jump right in? And I, you know, kudos to you for just saying, you know what, this, you know, I've run my course with the schools. It's time for something new. So Mm -hmm. what was your early, what what was that maybe first year like? Well, you know, I read your blogs. I read, I read a lot now, but back when I started, you know, nearly seven years ago, I didn't know anything about you. And I sure wish that I would have <laughs> because it would have made my life so much, easier, you know, because I had to kind of figure out everything from scratch. Um, so at that time I'd learned of our early intervention program in Georgia. Ours is called babies. Can't wait. And everybody probably knows every state has something similar, but with with a different name. So it worked very well for me to be very involved with the Babies Can't Wait program. And then I had a very steady stream of clients right from the get-go. That's perfect. That really helped while everything else, you know, I guess at that time I would have called them private kids because they were babies can't wait children and they were private kids. So, um, you know, it all evolved from there. That's fantastic. So in the beginning it was probably just you. Yes. Right. And I now know, cause I went to your website that there's lots of you, yes. um, and, and multidisciplinary it seems and uh-huh. everything else. So, okay. So from the first year where you were getting started with the babies can't wait kids and the private kids, how did things ramp up from your, your initial clients? Um, I started um, having employees who were friends of mine. Mm-hmm. So um, I did have a friend who was working right around the corner from my house at an elementary school. And she said, well, I'd like to see some children after school. And then another friend that I knew from the school district approached me with the same. And then that friend became a full-time employee you know 
soon after that. So then it kind of just worked from there. So everyone who started to work for me was a friend or my sister. Hi, Liz. Um, my sister even started to work for me. Um, is your sister also an SLP? She is. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Keeping it in the family. I love that. Yeah, so that worked really well for me to always hire people who are friends of mine or friends of friends. Yeah. Right. Because so. then they were tried and true people, right? You knew who they were, you knew about their abilities, and you also probably knew what um, kind of either niche or specialty or role mm -hmm. they would be able to fill within your practice. Exactly. Nice. Okay, great. So um, what happened next? Um, let's see. After we added several SLPs with me, um, then we tried occupational therapy. And that was interesting, to say the least, to add another <laughs> discipline. Uh, we kind of it sounds like you learned a lesson on that. What, what lesson did. did you learn? I did. Um, it's just difficult it was difficult for me anyway to get used to using different codes and different number of units and it's just different so i had to wrap my head around how another discipline operates mm -hmm. uh, but then we kind of figured it out so we're okay now <laughs> yeah well anytime that you do something new right like to kind of level up that's a term i like to use is like leveling up your private practice right yeah. so adding a different discipline uh -huh. is leveling up and it certainly comes with growing pains yes that's true and um i feel like the leveling up i start to get a feeling like oh this is going really really well right now and i kind of look around and i think What's going on? This is, this is kind of easy right now. And it kind of makes me think that maybe I have enough time to try something different. And that I bought the building two years ago. Um, oh, I believe about next week, it'll be two years that we actually bought the building, furnished it, and all of that. So congratulations. That, that was a level up for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so who occupies that space now you've got a certain number of slps at least one ot mm -hmm. who are else maybe your support staff who who's in that space i do have two full-time office managers but one works from new jersey and the other works from alpharetta <laughs> so neither is in the clinic but i do have a receptionist that is there at the desk greeting people and the intake paperwork and taking payments um, so it's mostly speech therapists and then the receptionist Fantastic. All right. And how, where, what, who are your like bread and butter clients? Who, which kind of clients do you guys really tend to attract and enjoy working with? Well, we still see um, the majority, our babies can't wait. We just have a very involved um, early intervention program here, and the pediatricians in our area are very good about referring families. So that's been really helpful, not just to me, but of course to the families. So um, definitely babies can't wait. And then as my business has grown through word of mouth, of course we have children that come to us in the after school hours. Mm -hmm. and. Yes, that, that's about what we do. Mostly parents, a few te teenagers, and we've had some adult patients, but mostly the real little bitty ones. Well, that's perfect, right? So they can be your 
uh, you know, like kind of bread and butter, right? They, they you, you kind of know, know them, you know, the referral sources, but it sounds like you're, you're also can expand to figure out, you know, um, maybe hours that work for some other clients, right? The school age kids obviously can't do during the day. Yes. We figured out quickly that the, the little ones of birth to three are generally ready to go right in the morning. You know, they get up early, <laughs> way too early for their parents liking, but you know, they're up and therapy could start at eight o'clock in the morning and be busy. Daycares often want the children want to be seen early in the morning before about 1030. And then everybody takes naps and lunch. Well, that's a great time for me to enter all of my data for my sessions and write reports and have my own lunch. Mm-hmm. And they're homeschooled children that often like to come, you know, they don't really care, maybe around kind of noon or, or early afternoon. And then there's a segment of, um, we have Georgia Cyber Academy. Mm-hmm. So that's another option if children want to come to the clinic or need us to come to them. And then by around 2.33, the children elementary is um, being dismissed from school. Perfect. So that's kind of the flow of the day. That sounds perfect. So I want to go back to two things that you said. One was the homeschoolers. Yes. Right? And then the cyber schools. So meaning that they they live in your area, but they do online school. They do. Mm -hmm. And that's just the one that I'm familiar with. I'm Mm -hmm. sure that there are other similar um, facilities, if you will, um, in Georgia, but that's the one that I have a contract with. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So you, you definitely have your, your time and hours kind of down to a science in terms of where you can fit people in and how many therapists you have working in those hours. Mm -hmm. Um, Share, share with people about how, um, like reimbursement and payment works for you guys. Are you a mix of private pay and Medicaid insurance? Kind of everything. And you know, I've read, um, a lot on your site and other people's sites. And I see that a cash payment works very well for some people in some areas, but that, I don't feel would work very well in our area. So we do take um, Medicaid, straight Medicaid, um, all of the CMOs of Medicaid, which in Georgia are Peak State Group, Well Care, Care Source. And then we are in network with most of the commercial insurances, Blue Cross, Aetna, United Healthcare. That's so that for us, that's what's worked. But I see that other people do things very differently and it works very well for them. So my suggestion to people starting their practice is to kind of look around and, you know, would it work better? It would certainly work easier for a person to not have to bill to insurance and just have someone you know, get out their flexible spending card or, you know, a check. Um, certainly that would be easier, but that wouldn't necessarily work for families. Well, and for the, I mean, you have to know your area, Mm -hmm. right? And probably had you, um, done maybe even only one of those options, Mm -hmm. right? Then you probably wouldn't be able to grow to the size that you're at now. Yes. And actually, I'm really glad that I went ahead and got in network with those insurance companies that first year, because honestly, with the number of 
um, applications that I was working on at once, it was very stressful, but that's the way I chose to do it. But then it also got it all behind me. You know, somebody else might take a different approach and get in with one and then six months later, get in with another. I mean, there are different ways to do things. I know the way I did things and it worked for me. Yeah. Well, that's an important point, right? Is And that's really the whole point of my doing this podcast mm-hmm. is to have people share what worked for them and also what didn't work for them, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier. That, <laughs> yeah. You, you, well, one, one example we've heard so far, maybe you'd be willing to share another one, but um, was the OT, right? Having to yes. learn, you know, codes and learn just different vocabulary and learn how to work with someone from another discipline. Yes. So I think that, you know, we always have to be mindful of the fact that when we, um, when we take on new things, there is certainly a learning curve, yes. but oftentimes it's worth it mm-hmm. in the end, if you can put up, you know, the kind of blood, sweat and tears to get through it. Exactly. And probably as we're talking about these big things, maybe just try to do one at a time. Really just work on beginning with an OT, get that straightened out before you delve into something else. Because it really may be too much if you're running the company, you're doing therapy yourself, and then, you know, you've got a family probably too, you know, children and animals and (laughs) everything else that goes in life that you really don't want to try too much, you know, bite off more than you can chew. Definitely. Well, I think, um, goal, like I tend to try to, when I do coaching with people, really get them to think about quarterly goals, mm-hmm. right. And to think, okay, for this next three months, mm-hmm. what am I going to focus on? So let's say it's maybe, you know, assessing whether or not I need an OT, finding an OT, right. you know, training and doing billing and stuff. And that might be my goal for the next couple of months. And then the next one, you know, and, and snowball from there. But I think that it's, I, I do like the idea of doing one big thing at a time because otherwise people get overwhelmed and getting overwhelmed never feels good. Right. Nice. I agree with that. So what was, what's another thing that maybe you have learned in your time as a private practitioner that you um, would be, you know, willing to share with the audience? Well, I do believe that I have been successful because obviously very hard work. (laughs) I've worked very, very hard at this and I've been lucky enough to have the therapists that I have that have made the world of difference. If I didn't have them, you know, it would be a whole different story. So I would say just Be careful if you're planning to add people with you. I think it would, in my case, it is best to to know the people. They were actually friends of mine or friends of friends. Um, And then there's not any surprises with personalities. Um, And then we do care for each other. We're, We're friends and we enjoy one another. And we all really work hard together. So that's what I would say as far as adding employees. I think that's fantastic advice. Mm -hmm. What does the next six months to a year or more look like for you in terms of your planning? 
Well, what I've been working on lately is I've been meeting with people about offering 401ks and like kind of working on that level of my business that I really hadn't even thought of before because I was just, you know, trying to keep my head above water with everything else. But now I'm at a point that I have these people who work for me that really deserve to have some retirement plans and, and I want to provide that for them because they're so hardworking and so wonderful. And, you know, I wouldn't have all these referrals if it weren't for my fantastic therapist that are, you know, bringing people into the company. So I'm trying to give back to them now. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's, that's, and that shows um, kind of a different level of growth, right? Now you're really thinking you've assembled this team that's been working really, really well for you. Mm -hmm. And now you want to keep them. Yes, exactly. And, and I have been lucky and that the people that have started to work for me still work for me, you know, so I'm very happy with that. And that comes down, I keep mentioning my therapist, my therapist, but my office management staff is what kind of keeps me together most of the time, <laughs> Heather and Christina. Um, so that's really important because fast or rewind about, you know, six years when you start a company, you're basically doing everything yourself. Mm -hmm. That's what I was doing. So I was doing what I later learned should have been QuickBooks that I ended up passing on to an accountant. But in the beginning, I was recording everything that I spent and I was doing everything. So it gets to a point that I'm like, okay, wait a minute, I'm making enough money now. I think I can hire someone part-time, you know, as an office manager. And then it kind of moves into the next level of, you know, when you keep growing, then you feel as if you can add people on to help you. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And they probably will do it better and faster than you might, right? If this is an area that they are skilled in doing, right? right? Just like we're mm -hmm. skilled in therapy. Mm -hmm. And also just thinking about like a cost benefit analysis on that. If you can free up your time to do income producing activities such as Absolutely. seeing clients or um, marketing or that kind of thing yes. and let them do the insurance billing and um, scheduling and all of that kind of stuff that you don't need to do, right. then that really is important, essential for growth. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And it was getting hard because I do so much therapy still as the owner. I mean, I practically have a full caseload and still do all of everything else that I do. Um, so it was really nice to have someone who was just sitting at their desk and focusing on insurance billing and things while I was, you know, driving around and doing therapy. I think that's great. It sounds like you have a pretty well-oiled machine now. Yeah, I refer to it as that a lot. Perfect. <laughs> well-oiled machine. <laughs> well, it sounds like you do, right? That you're yeah. you're six and a half years into this, and that you've you've you know added things. Um, it sounds like kind of as they needed to be added, and mm -hmm. figuring out what systems needed to be in place for things to run smoothly. It does sound like a well-oiled machine. It has gotten there through a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but it has gotten there for sure. And I have people that really care about what they do, and they care about doing it for my company, and that makes a huge difference. I love it. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to touch on? Any 
words of wisdom or parting message for people? Just don't be afraid. I mean, I, maybe I should have been afraid when I first started, but I wasn't, you know, I just took this big leap of faith and I was able to do it, but slowly adding people with you, even adding another therapist, you know, I would say add people slowly and as it feels right to you, add more. But um, you can do it. All of you out there that are thinking about doing it, you can do it. Um, there'll be some rough patches for sure. You might cry a little bit like I did, but it's okay. You'll get through it. And really, you know, you'll find something that happens wrong at the time and you end up realizing later that was probably the best thing for you. And that has happened to me multiple times in the last six and a half years. It's upsetting. And then you realize, hey, that was probably better for me anyway. <laughs> you well, know, that's good too, right? Because people are so terrified of making mistakes. Yeah, right? you make them, and I did, and I still do, and it's okay. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate your wisdom and knowledge, and just you know, incredible sharing of your journey of what has worked for you. So thank you, thank you, Laura, for being. Um, on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me on. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. Well, good. Well, it's important too for me to, to talk to people who are in different areas of the country um, and who have different kinds of setups. So, you know, thank you for, you know, sharing what it's like kind of, you know, outside of the Atlanta area mm -hmm. and um, with a lot of Medicaid clients and with a, a brick and mortar mm -hmm. and um, with, a pretty nice sized staff of SLPs. So anyway, thank you so much for sharing your story and maybe we can get back in touch in about six months or a year and kind of see how things are going at that point. Okay. That'd be great. I hope I have a lot of fun things to share. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Now that you've listened to the podcast, I hope that you're all fired up to help more people while making more money. If you need help starting or growing your private practice, I can help. I have created tons of high quality resources for beginning through established private practitioners alike to help you save time, money, and confusion. Just visit www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get instant access to everything from startup guides to marketing plans to ongoing support and mentorship and more. Listen, private practice can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be. My job is to simplify the process for you so that you can do what you do best, help people. But first, you have to help yourself. Just go to www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get the resources you need to succeed today. While this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.